0: Somebody shout, Glory! Glory! Hallelujah!
1: Praise God. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them out real quick. And um, I want to say it's so great to see the McTarsney clan back with us. I think they were here last Sunday, but she went through a, a quite a physical a challenge. But she's back, and uh, we thank God for them, and we're glad to see them. I want you to turn to 1 Kings and... Second Kings. I want to mention also that we will have our midweek service on Tuesday evening here right in this place at uh, 7 o'clock, and we will um, be focusing our attention on alignment and uh, at the power of alignment in the local church and how it enables us to turn the world upside down. And uh, when we get out of alignment, uh, it creates problems and uh kind of uh, limits the effectiveness of the body of Christ. So we'll be talking about that on Tuesday, and then camp starts Wednesday. So it's going to be a great week, and I want to encourage you to just tank up this week spiritually and uh, come back here full of the Holy Ghost and excitement. I know we had a group of men that went to a men's conference, and they were blessed by the ministry of the Word. And we know we had our Bible quizzers had a tournament yesterday and did really well, and we honor and respect and uh, want to celebrate with them on Family Sunday, but uh, great work. Praise God. I, I'm I'm glad to be a part of the church. Hey Amen. I look at people who their whole life is wrapped up in, in in trying to find the latest party or hang out at the club or try to meet other people, other singles at the club or whatever, and uh, they're trying to get uh, liquored up so so they'll have a good time. And I look over and I just I, I, I almost tear up when I see it because it seems so empty. It's like, what do they have beyond this? But we're a part of something that has eternal implications, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And uh, it's great to be a part of. Amen. And I'm glad to be a part of it with you guys. Amen. I'm glad to be a part of it with each and every one of you, the family of God. First Kings 19 and 19. This is a passage of scripture that we read uh, about a month ago in your hearing. Uh, but I want to um, expound upon it further as it has continued to resonate in my spirit. 1 Kings, 19, 19 says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again. For what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. 2 Kings 2, verse 6. We pick up this story about eight years later. Everybody say eight years later. About eight years later. From that point, the passage that we just read until this passage, we hear nothing about Elisha. He is serving. He is cooking dinners for the master, for for Elijah. He's washing his clothes, taking care of any of the needs that he might have. And then, in 2 Kings 2 and 6, it said, Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Skipping to verse 8. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they two went over on dry ground. It's a miracle. One of the miracles from Elijah's life. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be unto thee but if not it shall not be so and it came to pass as they went on and talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven verse 13 he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell and went back. Verse 14, And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over.
0: I want you to notice here
1: that... um, In these two passages, this man named Elisha had an encounter with the mantle two different times. Two different times the mantle fell. In 1 Kings, the mantle was thrown on his shoulders. In 2 Kings, the mantle fell. The mantle fell from the chariot of fire, and it became Elisha's mantle. Everybody hold up two fingers, because we're talking about two different experiences with the mantle. The first time the mantle fell, it was to explore Elisha's interest in the power and the anointing of God. The second time that the mantle fell, it was a confirmation of the ministry and anointing that was going to be on Elisha's life. So the first fall was potential and promise. But the second fall of the mantle was with power and And authority. You hear that? First fall, promise and potential. Second fall, power and authority. The first time the mantle fell, it was because uh, God was pursuing after Elisha. But the second time that the mantle fell, it was because Elisha was pursuing after God. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Another translation of that that same statement says, I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. The message translation says, I'm reaching out for Christ because he hath so wondrously reached out for me. He took a hold of me. Now I'm reaching out to take hold of what he grabbed me for. 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth stretching unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, for the next few moments today on this Sunday afternoon that you've so graciously come to be with us, I want to speak on this subject. Your turn. Your turn. Lord Jesus, we thank you. For your power and your provision and your anointing, we pray today, Lord God, that you would move in this place, that you would demonstrate your power, Lord God, and that lives would be impacted and eternally changed as we respond to the word of God and the powerful anointing of the Spirit. Lord, we're interested in your power. We're very interested in your anointing. We know it's the difference maker. It's what delivers people and sets people free. And God, we as a church and we as individuals within this church want to have that type of anointing and that type of power and that type of influence on our lives, Jesus. So speak to us today. Give us revelation, understanding from Your Word that You, Lord God, will bless and favor with power and anointing those that take their turn and reach back to You. We pray for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you thank thankful for the Word of God, put your hands together and give thanks to the Lord. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever had a conversation that turned out to be kind of one-sided? And it becomes a little bit awkward because you're the one initiating the conversation and the person's giving you nothing back. Anybody ever had a conversation like that? You're trying to maybe make a friend or trying to get to know somebody and you ask them something and they simply answer your question, but they don't re-engage you? Let me teach you a little something about conversation. Many of you have probably seen this before somewhere, but I want to teach you a little bit about conversation here. Does anybody want to have a conversation with me? Anybody here like to have a... Come here. Come on. Yeah, you raise your hand. Come here. She's going to have a conversation with me, all right? This is what we're going to call the conversation ball. This is a a beach ball. And some of you thought I was going to preach about vacation, but uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't be afraid. Fear not. We will not hurt you. So this is how a conversation works. If I'm meeting somebody... Let's say I don't know them. Let's say I know very little about them, and I'm trying to have a conversation with them. And uh, so I want to initiate a conversation. And so uh, let's do a little role play of this here right now. So I would say, uh, um, how are you doing today? Did you notice that? She asked me a question back in return. So when I said, how are you doing today? I was tossing her the conversation ball and saying, your turn. And she said, I'm doing well. And then she said, how are you? Right. Which means my turn. And so I say, man, I'm doing really good. I've got a busy week this week. How about you? Your turn. what's going to happen now the conversation's going to get awkward you know why because she didn't toss it back to me how would she toss it back to me she would ask me a question so you, it's going to be lazy and then what would be a good question to ask me now to keep this conversation going I just told you I'm going to be busy right Your turn. Thank you. So I've had conversations with people before. I had one this, this recently this weekend. I was trying to talk to somebody. I went up to them and said, hey, where are you from? And they just told me where they're from. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you where I'm from. So I grabbed the ball back. Let's try this again, okay? Were you in church when you were there? No, I was not in church there. Okay? You don't want to talk to me, do you? <laughs> And so with conversation, you have to toss the ball by showing interest in the person, ask them a question. And to keep the conversation going, they have to be able to respond back. So what do you got going on this week? Oh my goodness, he missed it. All right, ushers, pick that up. I don't want that flying all over the room. So when you have a conversation and it's one-sided, it gets awkward and it doesn't go anywhere. So when you make a statement, when you ask a question, when you engage somebody, then it's their turn to respond back. Anybody ever had a relationship that seemed pretty one-sided? Like you're always reaching out to the person. You're always trying to connect with them. You're always trying to uh, befriend them. and, And then in return, there doesn't seem to be much of a response. They're a taker and not a giver. And they don't try to re-engage you. And after a while, the relationship begins to suffer. And after a while, the relationship no longer exists because in order for the relationship to work, it's got to be my turn and then your turn. All right. Now, there's a skill I worked on developing from the time I was a child all the way up until about, mm, about 15 years ago or so. And then I, 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 I quit developing this skill. I quit using it. It kind of faded into my past and my memory. I was real clumsy when I started. I got a little more skilled as I went along. But then at a certain time, I quit. And so this art or the skill that I'm talking about is called flirting. I don't do it anymore. All right? Well, let me take that back. I still flirt, but I only flirt with one person, all right? So, so flirting. Now, what is it? You start out clumsy. I mean, you see the little, little boy start flirting with the little girl even before he even realizes that he likes her, right? He's like, ooh, girls, yuck, and he pulls her pigtail. Why is he pulling her pigtail? Because he wants to see how she would interact with him. So in in, in a crude, immature sort of way, dude's flirting, right? So he's trying to get a response to see what the response is going to be. And then as they get a little more sophisticated, a little more mature, then it's uh, making little jokes, trying to be funny. And then next thing you know, man, you're like trying to show off and... And uh, uh, trying to show how strong you are, how big you are, how smart you are, how funny you are. And uh, you throw that out there. And then you kind of, you don't want to be obvious, but you're watching to see how they're going to respond. Because they can either respond by throwing another joke back at you or saying, complimenting you on what you did. Or, or or they can be like the person that you threw the ball to and they just hold it. And you're like, oh, man, this didn't work out. One time when I was a, a teenager, I had my next door neighbor. Was an attractive young lady Who was a couple years older than me And she had a exchange student with her Who was uh, from Sweden She was very attractive as well And so these two young ladies Came over into our backyard Because we had a trampoline And so they wanted to jump on the trampoline So uh, they were off And I was jumping on the trampoline And I was like I'm going to show off a little bit here hey Amen you, you know what I'm talking about Right? You're like, I'm going to impress these people. I'm going to impress these young ladies. Because I was shy. I didn't speak much. But I'm like, I can flip on this trampoline. So I jumped. And I jumped. And I got ready to, to execute a powerful flip. And so I jumped in the air and I flipped. But I was so inspired. I guess it was the adrenaline or something. I don't know what it was. But I flipped farther than I needed to. And instead of landing on my feet, I landed on my face on the bar.
0: Boom
1: bounced up. And of course, when I bounced up. It's like, that didn't hurt. No.
0: Nope.
1: I'm okay. I meant to do that. Flirting. You know, I, I, I want to share with you today that God does something similar to this. Not that he flirts with us. But what he does is he blesses us, touches us, moves upon us. And then steps back to see what our response is going to be. He says, in essence, it's your turn. And the problem is there are a lot of people who struggle. A lot of people who never seem to get traction in ministry, in spiritual growth. The reason is they don't understand this concept. They keep wanting God to come take the ball back from them and throw it at them again. And they never learn that it's now their responsibility to throw it back. It's their turn to respond. Like the Apostle Paul said, something got a hold of me, but I am now stretching myself. I am reaching. I'm passionate about grabbing back that for which I was grabbed in the first place. God reached for me, and now I'm going to reach back with everything inside of me. Amen. So how does that manifest itself? These are the people who become spiritual experience junkies they got to get their Holy Ghost fix at church on Sunday. And they come to church discouraged, beat down, needing a touch from God. And when the music starts playing and when the Spirit of God begins to move, they begin to feel the presence of God and they enjoy the experience or the encounter with God. And they feel, yes, oh, thank you, Lord. It feels so good. And they worship, they pray, they cry, they sweat, they run, they jump, whatever it is that they do. And they have this encounter with God. The presence of God is beautiful. Anybody agree with me right there? That there is nothing like when the Spirit of the Lord moves upon you and the Spirit of the Lord touches you and impacts your life. Amen. There's nothing like it. But today I want to let you know that in order to step and engage into ministry, Or step and engage into spiritual maturity. is not what happens here on Sunday around the altar. That's God's turn. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three weeks from now when school starts in August, that's when it's your turn to determine whether or not you're going to just wait for God to have a one-sided relationship with you where you're always receiving and never giving back. Amen where God's doing all the reaching and you're not stretching yourself anywhere towards Him, all you'll do is come to church and show up and expect God to touch you again. I'm talking to some people here that are serious about tapping into the power of God because that experience that happens in the altar is the first fall of the mantle. And the first fall of the mantle is about potential. It's about promise. It's about opportunity. But the only time the second mantle will fall is on those who reach back and understand that it's my responsibility to push back and to stretch myself and to go after God with all of my heart, mind, soul and strength and that God responds to those that reach back and understand how to take their turn. If you agree with that, put your hands together right now. So here's the story of Elijah and Elisha. and We shared this a few weeks ago, but I want to share again here today. And uh, you, you wanted the ball. Come help me right now. I need, to, need you to help me real quick, Joe. So uh, he's going to play the part of the prophet Elisha, who was not yet a prophet, he was just a young man working on his dad's farm. His dad was a farmer, his grandpa was a farmer. Great-grandpa was a farmer, and so he had farming in his genes. And, uh, and he farmed in his genes. And he... Uh, sorry. My wife says I need a filter. Amen. And uh, so, Elisha's just a young man. He had no idea what was happening when he got up that day or the day before when the old prophet Elijah... So Elisha's just doing his thing, right? And Elijah's in a cave having a pity party, and God said, get up. I still got work for you, but I do want you to go and find the young man named Elisha, and I want you to uh, bring him in. He's going to become prophet in your stead, in your place. And so Elisha knows nothing about this. He's not privy to this conversation between God and Elijah. So Elijah finds out where Elisha lives, and he's not announced. It's unexpected. It's not like, hey, the prophet of God who's seen great miracles and supernatural things happen. is coming over. No, doesn't know anything about it. And the Bible says that Elisha is out plowing his field behind yokes of oxen. and he flexes muscle up there. Show me he's a real farmer. Amen. So I want you to uh, take the plow, take the plow by the hands, and, uh, okay, we're going to plow this direction, and then you're going to make a furrow, and you're going to come back around and, and plow this direction. So he's plowing. He's behind an ox, and he's working in the field. All right. And uh, he's just doing his thing, and he's working, he's working, he's working. And Elijah, the old prophet of God, sneaks up behind him while he's working. And he sneaks up behind him, and he takes this mantle. Go ahead and keep working. He's afraid. He's like, goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. So he's got this mantle, which was uh, like a, uh, this is actually a scarf. It's not a mantle, but I don't have any mantles at the house. But a mantle is like a sleeveless uh, garment that they would wear. Uh, But it represented the power and the anointing of God in Elijah's life. So Elijah has his man, Elisha's traveling, uh, just working, working hard. Wipe some sweat from your brow. All right. He's working and the plow's going one-handedly, single-handedly. And the prophet sneaks up behind, just throws it on his shoulders and walks away as Elisha is plowing. So what did Elisha do? Okay. Here's the story. Here's the story. The Bible says that Elisha, we read it in your hearing today, Elisha immediately left his plow and pursued after Elijah. So chase me down. Chase me down. And so Elisha then says, hey, let me go home, kiss my mom and dad, take care of stuff, and I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. I'll go with you. And so He said, in essence, this is what I want. This is what I desire. I am interested in the anointing. I'm interested in the power. I'm interested in the destiny that God has for my life. And I want you to notice that Elisha, thank you, man. Elijah didn't, good job. Elijah didn't throw the mantle over his shoulder and then follow him and say, hey, God's got great stuff for you. Don't you know that you could be anointed, that you could make a difference in the world? Don't you know that perhaps you could even have a double portion of the the favor and the anointing that I have? You could see miracles happen in your life. God could use you to shape the destiny of Israel and God could speak through you as an instrument and a mouthpiece. No, he didn't do any of that. He didn't try to sell him on the idea. He just threw it and the mantle fell A mantle of potential and a mantle of promise. But God and Elijah wanted to know how interested he was in it. Because the mantle that represented God's power and anointing would only be available to someone that had passion in their spirit that said, I want that. I'm going after that. No matter what it costs or how difficult it is or how challenging it is, I want that. And Elisha said, "Uh uh-oh, I feel the anointing. I could just walk on and do my plowing and say that felt good. How special it was to be recognized. How special it was that somebody was willing to come by and make an invitation to me. But he said, nope, I'm not going to uh, take that approach. I realize now that it's my turn. I've got to turn around and respond. Something's reaching for me. Something got a hold of me. Amen. Something got a hold of me. And some of you can remember some of you can remember that night when you came to church and this was a church that was different than any kind of church you had been to. Maybe it was in this building. Maybe it was in the old building. Maybe it was another apostolic church somewhere. But you were just there sitting doing your thing. You came to church for whatever reason. Somebody had invited you. Somebody had begged you to come. Or your mom made you come or whatever. But you came and all of a sudden in the middle of the service uh, you're just hoping to get over and all of a sudden you begin to feel the touch of the anointing on your life. uh, And you begin to feel the power of the Spirit begin to brush over you. And immediately at first. You said, what in the world was that? What's that I'm feeling right now? That's something like I've never felt before. That's more powerful than any drug I've ever tried before. That's more powerful than any relationship or experience that I've ever had before. It's the anointing of God. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that it doesn't matter where you're from, or who you are, or what your background is, that when you come into the presence of the Lord, that mantle will fall on you. A mantle that says, i got a purpose for your life. I've got a destiny for you that goes above and beyond anything that this world or your career has to offer you. Oh, come on, somebody. Praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that the Lord reached out for me. I'm so glad that something got a hold of me. I'm so glad that the Lord reached out to me. Amen. Praise God. Anybody glad that God reached you? Can you remember that day, that experience, that powerful experience? Sometimes we need to be reminded of it. Amen. The direction we were going. Brother Donnie, you've told me before the direction your life was headed in. You were just headed in the wrong direction. Your life probably could have been ended by now. You could have been in jail. You could have been in a lot of trouble. But something got a hold of you in that little church over there. Something draped over your shoulder right there. And you said, this is what I want to make my life about. This is real. Come on, somebody. This is real. Praise God. This is real. This is the power of God. This is the anointing of God. Hallelujah. And it got a hold of you right where you were. That's the mantle of God's anointing. That's the mantle of God's power. Amen. And God's blessing. Thing in favor. Hallelujah. But I want you to notice how, how the Lord did just through, as we saw through Elijah. He just threw it and kept walking because God said now I've reached for you now it's your turn. Are you going to come out and plow again tomorrow and hope that the prophet shows up and hope that you feel the same thing again? Or is there something inside of you that says wait a minute I'm going after <laughs> that thing right there. That's what I want my life to be about. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. You've got the verse there about Moses in Scripture. Pull up this verse. I want you to look at this. Look at the words of this. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, him being Moses, in a flame of fire. This is Moses' first encounter with God. A flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. So, what's the point of this verse? Well, he probably had seen a lot of burning bushes in his life, right? He was out in the wilderness. He was a shepherd at this point, even though he'd been raised to be the prince of the king. He was now out in the wilderness. He'd probably seen burning bushes before, but as he's watching this bush burn, all the leaves are still intact. The branches aren't disappearing. He's been watching it burn for a while, and it's not being consumed. And something inside of him says, uh oh, there's something different about this burning bush. I've never seen anything like this before. Amen. He said, Look, behold, it's burning with fire, but it's not being consumed. Look at the next verse. It says, And Moses said, He was talking to himself, but he said, Hmm, I will turn aside. I'm going somewhere, I got a plan. I've got stuff in my life that I'm doing today. But wait a minute. I've never seen anything like this before. I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burned. And look at the next verse. I love this. And when the Lord saw that He turned aside to see, God called unto Him, out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. (laughs) What else do you say if a burning bush starts talking to you and calls you by name? You know something's real. But, But what I want you to notice here is it says when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God threw out the supernatural and Moses had an opportunity to just say, well, that's interesting, but I've got some place to go. Or to stop and say, I'm going to check this out. God is wondering if there's anybody that's interested enough in His power, in His purpose, in His anointing, and his favor to say, I can't afford just to go on with my life now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to check this out. Uh, notice that when Moses turned to check it out, that was him taking his turn. God first put the burning bush, burning bush out there, but it wasn't until Moses took his turn and stopped to check it out that God said, okay, now I can speak better back to you. And God spoke to him and began to call him to a destiny and a purpose and anointing and power in his life. This is how the Spirit of God works. God blesses those who take their turn. Amen. God blesses those who reach back. God blesses those who decide they're going to take hold of whatever it is that took hold of them. You know, in Scripture, we were talking last night, about these twins, Jacob and Esau. The Bible says, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That's what the Bible says, that God's opinion of these two individuals were. Why did God say that? As I study this story, front to back, beginning to ending, it all. the only answer I can come up with, the most viable answer I can come up with, is that Jacob pursued after the spiritual, after the eternal, after the eternal, After destiny and after legacy, while Esau only pursued after what met the needs of his flesh. And Jacob said, whatever it is that I have to do to get a hold of this powerful, eternal covenant that my dad had with God and my grandpa had with God, I want to be a part of that. Whatever it takes and however much effort it takes, I'm getting a hold of that. I want to talk to somebody right now that loves it when God touches you and blesses you. Blesses you. But I want you to get an understanding right now that the conversation is not going to last very long if you just go home and keep living like you've been living and keep doing all the same things that you've been doing and don't engage with God's purpose and come back three weeks, three months, three years later and say, okay, God, I'm here again. Let the mantle fall again. The mantle might fall again, but it's only a first mantle falling. It's only potential. It's only possibility. If you want the mantle to fall again, You've got to take your turn and say, God, I'm going after with everything inside of me, this purpose that you have laid on my life. Is there anybody here amen that wants the anointing of God on your life? Is there anybody here that wants the power that the apostles experienced to be in your life? I'm telling you right now that it is available for you. You don't have to have a PhD in theology because Peter didn't have a PhD in theology. You don't have to have a good job. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be eloquent but there's got to be that fire in your belly that says something got a hold of me and I'm going after it with everything inside of me. Come on. Is there something I can stir up and within you? Is there something I can shake alive in you? It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter that you started out and failed. If the mantle drops on your shoulder, God's reaching for you. God's touching you. If you feel it again, if you feel the desire and the passion again, God's let it rest upon you again. Now it's your turn. Amen. Don't handle it like you did last time, but say, I'm going after it. I'm pursuing after the anointing. I'm pursuing after ministry. I'm pursuing after purpose in my life. Put your hands together and praise Him right now. Let's make it practical now, because you know, sometimes we'll say, okay, you've got to grab back, you've got to reach back, you've got to take your turn, you've got to pursue. And a lot of times we think that's responding in the altar. And that's true. When the Spirit of God moves upon you, you can resist it. Or you can respond to it and let the Spirit of God move upon you. That's part of it. But I want to tell you that it's not what you do when the, when the uh, mantle is on your shoulder. That really makes the difference. Elijah felt Elisha felt the presence of God. He felt the power and the weight of the anointing, in a sense, on this mantle. And when the mantle was still on his shoulders, he said, I've got to pursue the prophet. But it wasn't what he did that day in the presence of the prophet that really caused the second fall of the mantle, which says, now you've got power. Now you've got anointing. Now you're going to operate in ministry. Now you're going to impact others. Other lives. It was what he did during that eight-year span that represents how Elijah, Elisha—I'm sorry—reached back after God reached to him. Anybody interested in knowing what he did? What did he do? Three things. Three points. Three things that Elisha did to show that he was pursuing passionately what had gotten a hold of him. The first thing he did is what we preached on three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. He went home and he burned his plow. Number one, he burned his plow. What did that mean? The plow and the oxen represented his life to that point. And the plow and the oxen also represented the very thing that could stand between him and pursuing The anointing, pursuing the calling, pursuing the favor, pursuing the mantle. So he decided, I'm not just going to forsake them, but I'm going to light a match and I'm going to burn the plow so that I can never go back to who I used to be and what I used to be. You know, I've seen a lot of people get blessed. I've seen a lot of people get moved on. I've seen a lot of people get motivated. I I see a lot of people get inspired. But then they don't follow through. Real talk, okay? Three weeks later, where are they at? Two months later, what happened to you? What's the problem? The problem is they didn't start at the right point. You have to start by striking a match. You have to start by burning the plows of the life you leave. To say, Jesus, I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. Man, hallelujah. Brother Donnie, you've shared with us before that when you first came into the church, when you were first filled with the Spirit, all of your friends were not spiritual people, were they? They were party animals. And so Brother Donnie realized, I've got to stop being in relationship continuously with these people, and I need to find some new relationships. That, what was he doing? He was burning the plow. He said, this was my routine. This was my life. And I felt the mantle on my shoulders. But if I go back to doing the same things that I was doing, living the same life that I was living with the same people that I used to be doing it with, then I am not going to be able to pursue after the anointing. Yeah, it felt good. Yeah, I felt the presence of God. But Brother Donnie's sitting on that chair today, not just because the mantle fell on his shoulders, but because he decided it's my turn now. I felt the presence of God, but now I've got to do something about this. I've got to make some decisions in terms of the relationships that I have, the places that I'm going, the way that I'm living my life. Anything, anything that God begins to speak to you about that will keep God's anointing from being poured into your life, you are the one that has to make a conscious choice. I'm going to go home and burn my plow. Oh, amen. Because, you know, sometimes we think, well... God wants me to get rid of it, then he'll take it out of my life. Really? So you think Elijah is going to get, Elisha is going to get back to his house and uh, he's going to go in and wash up and go out and look fire from heaven fell and it hit my plow. My plow is gone. Thank you, Jesus. Now I know that you didn't want this to be a part of my life. He didn't know Jesus, but he said, thank you, God. Thank you, Jehovah. Now I know that this wasn't meant to be part of my life. No, it was a conscious choice that he had to make. I'm telling you right now that some of you are such Holy Ghost junkies that you can't make any decisions on your own. You're just like, okay, let me go back and feel the presence of God again. Then you leave, God begins to deal with you and you've got to make a choice. And you're like, eh, you know what? I think I can carry my plow with me into my destiny. I think I can take that unsaved relationship with me into my destiny. I think I can take this bad habit with me into my destiny. Amen. But the reality is somebody needs to hear the Word of the Lord today because when you are changed, you become a new creature. All things are passed away. And I'm talking to somebody that realized this is real. This is what I want. I want to be a part of this church. I want to be a part of this anointing. I want to be a part of this favor. And when God begins to speak to you, you are the one that has to decide. I'm separating myself from anything in my old life that's going to keep me from pursuing my... My new life in Jesus Christ. Somebody praise the Lord right now. It may be different things for different people. Somebody, it might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Somebody, it might be career plans. It might be passion for athletics, sports. Somebody, it might be unhealthy addiction to media. Whatever it is. You got to hear the voice of God. And God wants to speak to you at Life Church today. And not just that you feel the presence of God, but that you go home and do something when you have your turn. Amen. How many times has God spoke to you about that bad habit that you have with media? And how many times has God told you you need to bring accountability into your life so that you're not prey to Satan anymore? And then you feel the presence of God. You hear the voice of God, but you don't take your turn. And God's calling you right now and saying, now it's your turn. The mantle's on your shoulder. You feel the power and the presence of God, but it's your turn. What is it that's keeping you from your destiny? What is it that's keeping you from the presence of God? Some people pray, weep, repent, resolve. And everything inside of them is saying, I want to follow. But can't I bring my plow with me? Can't I bring this relationship? Can't I bring this attitude? Can't I bring this with me? Surely God will understand. But the first way that you show that it's your turn is when you go home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you burn the plow. Number two. Number two, the second thing that Elisha did following the first mantle to guarantee the second fall of the mantle is that he began to serve in obscurity. He began to serve in obscurity. So he had the call of God. He felt the anointing. He felt the power in the presence of the Lord. And no doubt, when he went home that night and lit the fire and put the plow in the fire and cooked the oxen that he used to plow behind. And he felt, man, you give me one more year, six months from now, I'm going to be prophesying to the multitudes. Six months from now, I'm going to be working miracles. Can you feel this thing? Six months from now, God's going to be using me powerfully. But no, he left that night And he followed the prophet. And the Bible says that he ministered unto the prophet. And for eight years, you hear nothing about Elisha. You know why? Because he determined, this is how I reach back. I can serve in obscurity. What was he doing? I shared with you earlier. He was washing the hands of the man of God. When they came in from a a hard day, prophet was a little bit older, couldn't bend over as easily as he used to, so he would prop up his old dirty, dusty feet, and Elisha would wash the feet of the elder. Probably would take his clothes out to the stream and wash the clothes, and maybe he would be the one to get the sticks together and start the fire and uh, uh, begin begin preparing the meal for the prophet. Oh, his name wasn't in lights. Nobody heard about him. He wasn't celebrated. But he said, you know what? I've been called to serve. And I want to let somebody know right now that the great... People of God, people that are used powerfully for God, are people that learn. Tapping into the power of God, receiving that second fall of the mantle that says, now you've got power and authority, comes to those who learn, hallelujah, to serve in obscurity without being recognized, without being noticed, and just serving faithfully. I know you're not shouting now, but this is the Word of God. He served for eight years in obscurity. Your turn. You want to grab back? You want to reach for that? That got a hold of you? Commit to serve. Ministry. Everybody look at somebody and say ministry. Ministry. Look at somebody else and say, you are called for ministry. Look at somebody else. Tell them, you're called for ministry. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. People said, do you feel called into the ministry? And I was like hadn't heard a voice yet. Still waiting. Not that, I, not that I would oppose it, but are you called into ministry? Well, the word ministry comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means to serve. So they were probably asking, are you going to be a preacher? But what their question was really saying, are you going to be willing to serve? Are you called to serve? Are you called to serve? What is ministry? Listen to me right now. Ministry is getting your mind off of you and thinking about other people. And saying, how can I serve other people? Oh, yeah, the first first mantle falls on many people. First mantle falls on many people. But they are so wrapped up in themselves so wrapped up in what is in it for me and how can I get recognized and how can I be celebrated that the first mantle is all they ever get and they go through their whole life receiving the first mantle but those that want the second mantle have to realize and not get a big head because God touched them but say you know what I'm going after that mantle and I understand praise God that getting a hold of what God has for me is going to require me to be willing to get my mind off of myself and think about serving other people. God has called you and me to serve. That's why the Lord had us wash one another's feet. Because He wanted us to realize that ministry is not about position. Ministry is not about a hierarchy of who's in charge. But my God, ministry is about who is willing to stoop down. And serve. And for eight years, Elisha said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve His purpose. I may not get recognized, and it may not be my favorite work, but find me something to do, because I'm going to be involved, and I'm going to serve. So can you serve in obscurity? Can you serve when you're not celebrated for it? Can you serve when you don't feel like serving? Mm -hmm. A lot of times Elisha's like thinking, wash your own feet, old man, in his mind, but he never says it. He gets down on his hands and feet and washes the feet of the man of God because there's something inside of him. The same thing that was in Jacob. Jacob. That said, I'm going after the anointing. I'm going after the power. I'm going after the favor of God. I've got some Holy Ghost people in this house. You felt the presence of God. But God's trying to make it plain for you today. Now it's your turn! Are you going to reach back? Pastor, but you're a preacher. You're a pastor. Everybody... uh... Laughs when you tell a joke and you're standing in front of everybody. Well, guess where I preached my first sermon? I preached my first sermon in a nursing home. That's where I preached my first sermon. Nobody else would go with me. So I had to play the piano and sing and then get up and preach. I felt like Dick Van Dyke, the one-man show. Mary Poppins. Step in time, Mary Poppins. You know what I'm talking about, do you? I'll play, I'll sing, I'll preach, whatever it is. I'll go pick up kids on the bus. I'll go down to the neighborhood, the unsafe neighborhood, and connect with kids and connect with their parents and say, "Will you let me take them to church?" They're like, "Are you for real?" Absolutely, take them all week. You know what I'm saying? Like, you mean I don't have to take care of my kids? They're going to be gone. You're going to feed them. Come on, come and get them. So I had 50 kids coming on the bus, 50 children coming on the bus. Not celebrated. Not recognized. And I don't want to put myself up as some kind of a example of perfection. I've got my flaws, I've got my weaknesses but I believe today that there's an anointing on my life because when God touched me, I said, I'm going after this thing. I'm going to serve wherever it is that I have to serve. You want me to clean toilets? Alright, uh, I'm there. You want me to uh, mop the floor? Okay, I'm there. You want me to hand out bulletins? Okay, I'm there. You want me to serve out there? Uh, helping park cars and directing people? I'm there. You know why? Not just, uh, amen, not just because I feel obligated to, but there's something inside of me. An attitude that says, I want to serve God because I'm going after his purpose. I'm going after his anointing. The reason we're doing this class on, on Saturday night is because I want life church to be made up of disciplers. Every person in the house that's spirit-filled and growing and engaged with God's purpose becomes a part of the purpose of life church. The mission of Life Church, which is to reach people. I'm sorry I'm going wild today, but I'm feeling in my spirit uh, that we need to understand that God has called us. God has called you to make disciples. Uh, and you don't have to be skilled, and you don't have to have a, a lot of biblical knowledge uh, to look around and see people that have needs uh, and start reaching for them. To look at people that don't have any friends. Come on now. Somebody in the youth group uh, that doesn't have any friends and say, I'm going to make them my friend. That's what ministry is about. Ministry is not about hanging out with the people you like. Uh, Ministry is not about just spending time with those that are the cool people, but ministry is about let's find somebody that has a need. Let's find somebody that's hurting and let me reach out and minister. This is what will build life church. Is there anybody? 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 It says, yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? Yes, Lord. What can I do? What can I do? I'm unemployed in the kingdom. I just come and sit and watch and eat. I'm unemployed. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Brother Ulysses, what can I do? What do I need to do? This is about what happens after you leave the altar. In the altar is God's turn. When you leave, it's your turn. Number three. Number three, he was adamant about staying close to the mantle. He wouldn't let anything separate him from the mantle of God's favor and God's anointing. The passage that we read where Elijah himself said, Elisha, go back home, dude. Just go chill, man. I've got to go a little further. Just go ahead and go. Elisha said, no, 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 no. I'm staying with you. Whatever you need, I'm here. I'm right here. I'm staying with you. A little bit later, Elijah says again, you know, i got to go up over here, up over here. Da, da, da. So just chill here for a while. He's like, nope, I'm going with you. The third time again, Elisha, come on, just relax. You know, I believe that God will allow things that could separate us from God into our life just to see how passionately we're pursuing Him. You know why? Because there's a lot of anointing and power in this thing. And there's got to be a test before God gives you His best. And God's going to see if you're going to allow anything to separate you from the mantle. Because from the moment eight years ago when that mantle hit his shoulders, Elisha said, I'm not letting that thing out of my sight again. The power and the anointing of God is what I'm going after. So it doesn't matter what comes into my life. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if I get my feelings hurt. It doesn't matter if I get offended. It doesn't matter what takes place. But I'm going after the favor and the anointing of God. I refuse to allow... Anything to come between me and the mantle. That's how you grab back. That's how you stretch. That's how you pursue after God's purpose. And I'm going to tell you right now that people that are powerfully used of God are people that get some thick skin on them somewhere. I'm not saying they're all fat. I'm saying they get thick skin. They get thick skin. They say, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter if discouragement comes. And it doesn't matter if I feel like quitting. I'm not letting anything get between me and the anointing. Praise God. Let me make it real plain for you right now. Some of you need to make some decisions that you're not going to let anything affect your attendance to the house of God. Amen. You're not going to let... Things that happen at school, things that happen at work, things that happen uh, because of extracurricular activities. A long time ago, mom and dad made a decision for me. And when I came through my transition that I just talked about here, I had to make decisions for myself. Am I going to let homework cause me to miss the house of God? Am I going to take jobs that will take me away from the house of God? Am I going to do these things? But there was something inside of me that said I am not going to let myself become separated from the man. Of God, I'm going after it. I'm going after it, and I want to talk to somebody here
0: right now. Is there something in your spirit? It says, I may make
1: mistakes, but I'm not gonna let my mistakes separate me from the mantle, I may get offended and hurt. And I'm not going to let a fence separate me from the mantle. Life may come. Relationships may come along. But I'm not letting anything separate me from the mantle of God's anointing and God's power and God's favor. Those three things represent how Elisha said, it's my turn now. God, you touched me. God, you put promise and favor on my life. But I'm going after it now. Stand to your feet right now and let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody help me praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's worthy of praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Elisha, can you come back up here again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's eight years later. Elisha's been hanging with Elijah every day. Washing his clothes, f- feeding the meals, taking care of him. Every once in a while he'd probably reach over and just touch that mantle again. That's what it's all about. You've got to keep continue having encounters with the first mantle along the way, right? Keep prayed up, keep anointed keep full of the Spirit. See, some of you need to get your Bibles out again, alright? Some of you need to get your Bibles out again because you're like, I want to be anointed, but you spend no time in the Word of God. I want God to use me, and you come on Sunday and pray and sob, and the rest of the week you don't even talk to God once. Can I be serious with you right now? Because what happens on Sunday is God's turn. What happens on Monday is your turn. Your turn. Your turn. So after Elisha, for eight years, he burnt his plow. He served in obscurity. And he said, Nothing is going to separate me from the mantle. They're walking along, and all of a sudden, the chariot of fire comes and receives Elijah. And before Elijah leaves, some people said it dropped. I guarantee you, Elijah knew what he was doing. Elijah's gone. One of the only two people in the Bible that never tasted the death, Enoch and Elijah. Elijah taken by God, in the chariot of fire. And Elisha standing there with a the mantle at his feet. The second mantle drop. It's not about potential. This one's not about promise. This is about power, anointing, authority, ministry. So Elisha picks it up. And he goes back to that same little creek of water that was running through. And he took the mantle and he did what he saw Elijah do and he smote the ground with it. Just hold it in your hand and hit the ground with it. Yeah, thank you. So he hits the ground with it. And he says, where's the God of Elijah? And he sees his first supernatural miracle right before his eyes. Determination in his spirit was, Elijah, God's used you powerfully, but I want a double portion. Some people think that's presumptuous and arrogant, but you've got to realize this is a guy that goes after it. Goes after what God has for him. And in the course of Elisha's ministry, he had exactly twice as many miracles as Elijah minus one. Until they took his body and they put it in the grave. His body was there for a while. And they took another dead man later threw him into the same common grave. And when that dead man's body hit the the, 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 uh, sepulcher, the bones of Elisha, the man came back to life. So that Elisha had exactly twice as many miracles in his ministry as Elijah did. You know why? It's because when God did his thing, my turn. And the Spirit of the Lord is going to touch somebody today. God's going to renew the fire in somebody. I feel it in my spirit right now that God wants to renew the fire in some of you to be a soul winner, to be used of God, to be faithful to God, and to work for Him, to let His ministry happen in your life, to, to serve Him, to be used of God. And the power of God's going to meet you here. I can promise you that right now. But what I've preached about is what happens tomorrow, what happens next week decide it's my turn. Can we gather together up around the front here right now? Thank you, people of God, for hearing the word of the Lord today and receiving it. I'm pursuing it. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be used. Come on up. Come on up. Move on up to the front here. Hallelujah. Because I believe God wants to touch somebody today in a special way. God's been calling for you. God's been reaching for you. God's been stretching to you. Hallelujah. And His Spirit is going to minister to you again. I wonder if we could across this place lift up our hands in this place as a sign of surrender to the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, My life is in your hands, Lord God. When I was born, I realized I wasn't born just to make money. And I wasn't born just to make good grades. I wasn't born just to have kids. But God, I was born to have a relationship with you and to become a part of your divine, eternal purpose. And in the name of Jesus, right now, Lord God, I want to lift my hands in a sign of surrender. It says, God, whatever you want to do with my life and however you want to work in me and through me, Jesus, I open myself up to you right now. Hallelujah. I want you to cry out from deep within your spirit. I want you to share with the Lord how much that you love him. And how much you desire to be used by Him. And how much you desire for His power and His anointing to be in your life. And as you pray, I want you to know that God's going to step by. And the power of God's going to touch you. Amen. And His anointing is going to linger on you just for a moment right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank You right now, Lord God. Thank You for what You're doing, Lord Jesus. Thank You for the power of the Word. Thank You for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. You are worthy to receive praise. You are worthy to receive honor. You are worthy to receive glory, Lord Jesus. Uh, and I love You, Lord God. My life is Yours. Uh, my life is Yours, Jesus. Uh, whatever you got to change in me, make me less selfish, Lord God. Let me be less self-centered, Lord Jesus. Uh, whatever it is in my life, Lord God, that's keeping me from moving forward, reveal it to me. Right now, and give me the courage, Jesus, uh, to burn the plow, Lord God. Uh, Let me get involved, Lord Jesus. Uh, Let me pursue after you by serving in the body of Christ, by ministering to people, by loving people, Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray in the name of the Lord right now. Hallelujah. God, I want your anointing. God, I desire and I thirst and I hunger after you. Uh, Hallelujah. If you can use anything, Lord Jesus, uh, you can use me, Lord God.
0: Give me one pure and holy passion. God,
1: put that passion inside of me right now.
0: Give me one magnificent obsession. This is what
1: I'm going after, Lord, with everything inside of me. Hallelujah. This is my obsession.
0: Give me one glory. One ambition. Ambition for my life To know and follow
1: God Woo, Come on, there's a rededication Happening here right now We're praying right now, Lord God put that desire in our heart again, Jesus. Give
0: me one!
1: moving. Let's lift our hands one more time and just thank Him for it. I feel I mean, if you can't feel it right now, you got a problem, because I feel it all over this place. His anointings here right now. Just lift up your hands and love Jesus for a minute. Hallelujah. Refreshing, renewal, (laughs) anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're doing something in me and through me hallelujah. You've been working with me for a while, Lord God, but I feel like we're moving into a time, into a season, Lord Jesus, of power and anointing and refreshing in Jesus' name. presence that's with us today, in a beautiful way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, I want to say that if you're serious about growing spiritually, engaging, taking the next step, uh, a real simple next step for some of you is just to be here on midweek service on Tuesday night, as we get deep into the Word. There's meat. There's potential for growth there, and there's a move of the Spirit. There's been powerful moves of the Spirit as well. So I want to encourage you to uh, make that commitment, make that step, to be there, to be faithful in the house of God. And and this week is going to be a a wonderful and powerful week, and uh, I want to encourage you just to keep fighting, amen, keep living for God, keep loving God, and keep pursuing after Him. And uh, Brother Ulysses is going to come share with us right now some opportunities, uh, special opportunities.
2: Why don't we put our hands together for the Lord, amen Um, We want to provide an opportunity for each of you today To take your turn Through the past few months, the Browns and his executive team Have been preparing a team of people so that when you're ready to respond, we can begin to train you, coach you, lead you, and love you as you grow into serving the Lord. So today, you may want to take that step. Uh, You are welcome. I'll be up in the front here after service. You're welcome to come and say, I don't exactly know what it is I want to do, but I am ready to start serving. We're ready for you. Amen? I'm going to say that one more time. We are ready for you. Amen? Because he's been working. The Lord has been working with his ministry. Uh, So I encourage you to do that. Now, some of you may step out and say, man, I already know what I want to do. Let's let's go through that process. Amen? Um, Today after church, um, now it would be immediately after church in the conference room. This August, uh, we're going to be participating in the Youth, Children, and Hyphen Camp uh, in Big Bear. Yeah, there it is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, So there is a, uh, a brief orientation in the conference room. If you have a grandchild, if you have a son or daughter, if you have a neighbor, if you have a young person in the bridge and live kids, if you are in the college age group, We encourage you to step in. Again, you may be like, you know what, I'm not even sure. I don't know if I could afford it and stuff. Step in. Just take that step of faith. We really want to encourage you to do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, Pastor already talked about the SoCal Conference uh, beginning this Wednesday. And uh, we have committed uh, to provide a a van uh, to carpool from here, leaving this location on Wednesday. 5:30 5:30 p.m. You're going to see Brother Michael Quintanilla, that's to my left, maybe to your right. Uh, sign up, the spots are for few, uh, so we want to encourage that for uh, parents and the students of the bridge. Uh, there's going to be a van available for you on Thursday evening, and where will they be meeting? They can meet here at this location at 5:30, 5:30 on Thursday evening. So again. Don't show up at 7 o'clock. Be ready to go to the camp. And on Friday night, it's going to be a live kids night out there. Please don't take any of this lightly. Men and women of God have been praying. They have been fasting. They have been preparing. I'm going to quote something Pastor said in the past. The stones have gathered. Now God's going to send the fire down. Amen. Amen. You and I, we got to show up. We got to do this together. We got to be here on Thursday, and we got to do our best to make it to conference, and then do our best to be here for the training on Saturday and to be here for prayer. I won't keep you longer. God bless you. We love you. We are here for you. Again, if you're ready for the next step, just come see us. We are prepared for you. And if you have any other type of need, a prayer request, we are here for you. And we want to just be able to walk with you through the process. I believe there was two young people that said they were going into high school. Uh, Pastor Caleb would like to see you here after he's done playing on the right-hand side of the sanctuary. God bless you. Have an awesome week in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen.